love the way that you love one another. Trying to get started a little early because I noticed a lot of red in the crowd, so we're going to make sure that we get everybody out of here on time today. Just want to say it's a good day to be a Razorback, that's all. All right, Uh, welcome to Fellowship. Uh, We are going to continue in our series, uh, Gifted, and the subtitle of this series is Coming, to, coming alive to the people that God has created us to be. And last week we looked at Psalm 139 and the big idea that we are gifted by God. That every person is kind of the handiwork and the product of God Himself. There is n- no random people. There are no unimportant people. Everyone has a, a unique wiring and gifting from God to reflect God to the world. And this morning, we're going to look a little bit deeper at that, more specifically, what we are gifted for. So we're going to look at what it means to be part of a church. Um, As we jump in this morning, uh, I just want to bring you a little bit into my world. At my house, like Christmas time is the best time of year. And that's not something that I grew up with necessarily. But this is something that my wife has kind of brought into our family. I mean, we go all out for Christmas all the time. Um, you know, ABC has the, the 30 days of Christmas. Uh, at the Rogers house, it's probably at least 45 days of Christmas. It's probably about the middle of November that we start uh, cranking up the Christmas music and the Christmas movies. I mean, this year uh, we went all out. We chopped down our own Christmas tree, which was awesome. Like, I recommend that. But not only that, but then we had like another one. So we had two trees. So, I mean, we were just all over the Christmas season. That is what we are Um, And if you've ever been in a small group with me, which a lot of you have at certain point, um, I usually ask this question, like, what is your favorite Christmas movie? And I I mean, I don't want to judge anyone in here, but that says a lot about you. I mean, I I just want you to know when I ask that question, like, I know, like, if we're going to, you know, like, if we're going to be able to go deep. Um, But for me, probably the the best one, my favorite one has to be uh, a Christmas story. You know, that's. The timeless classic for me, Ralphie and the BB gun. And it kind of, for me, captures the, just the reality of the magic of Christmas and the wonder of being a kid and getting that one special gift. You know, I mean, that's, that's always kind of marked my childhood and it's probably just because it comes on TBS for 24 hours in a row. But I, you know, I love that show and, you know, obviously, since we're talking about gifts, you're going to get the connection. You know, it's like there's some kinds of gifts that are like that, right? That are just out of this world, take your breath away kind of gifts. And then um, there are other kinds of gifts that it, it takes a little bit more to appreciate what they are. So I'll take, for instance, I think it was this Christmas, but the Christmas before, my wife does a great job of buying gifts for me personally. Like she studies me. She wants to get things for me that I wouldn't normally get for myself. And so I think it was a a Christmas before I I got a Kindle Fire, you know, and I remember looking at the Kindle Fire. And I I mean, I was excited when I first opened it up, but it, it took me like a couple of days, probably mostly because I'm technologically not that gifted to kind of really benefit from the whole thing of the Kindle. So you could watch movies and 
um, I found myself with a, a, a new strange fascination with magazines. Like I never look at magazines, but because I had a Kindle, like I wanted to get magazines. And then, uh, but the, the true test for me is because I like to read. I'm a pastor, you know, uh, is going to read a book. So I'm, I sit down to read a book and then I begin to use all the highlighting functions. And then I was able to see that this thing really works. Like it would categorize all of the things that I had highlighted and set apart. I could uh, email them to myself and so it's actually going to be really helpful so some gifts like are dynamic and out of this world and other gifts are they take a little bit more intentionality to get to be able to appreciate what they are and um, as we look at first corinthians 12 today um, if we don't understand what something's for and, and how we're actually supposed to use our gifts, right? It'll be just like the iPhone that's in your pocket that can do about 800 things that you don't know what they'll do, right? So we want to understand what these gifts are actually for. And to do that, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardbound one somewhere near you. And I believe that 1 Corinthians 12 is on page 900. And 59, we're going to look at the first 13 verses, because if you don't know, understand the the part, what you're a part of, you won't understand the part that you are to play. So if you are able, would you stand as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Now. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, According to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills just as the body is one and has many members all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God you may be seated let's pray Father, now I just pray that you would help us to pay attention to your word, that you would give us ears to hear, that we would be captivated by you first and foremost, 
Um, I pray that you would help me to proclaim this word, that we would see Jesus more clearly, and by seeing him that we would be able to love one another and the world more effectively. Father, thank you for the fact that we have been joined together with Jesus and made to drink of one spirit. I pray that that one truth would unite us in all that we say and we do. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help me to proclaim this word. I need you. I freely admit the truth of John 15. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But I trust you to work in and through me for the sake of these people that I love. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 1 Corinthians 12. um, It is a pretty amazing passage. has a lot of details for us. But before we uh, jump into that, I want us to understand just a little bit about where we're going with this series. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways that we could tackle this. Um, we want to be able to, first and foremost, um, understand that we want to come alive to who God has made us to be. Like, we want to know why we are on the planet. But I think it's really important from the outset that apart from the church... We can't understand who we are truly meant to be. And in in America and in our individualistic society, um, it's very easy for us to just to get distracted. And so instead of just going line by line through these verses and say, here's the gift of administration and here's eight ways to know if you have the gift of administration proof positive, you know, because, I mean, when, when you do that, you begin to think first and foremost about yourself. And I think that these verses are not really meant to be a a label um, that we all constrain ourselves by, but they're supposed to be marks and distinguishing characteristics to appreciate the Spirit at work among us, right? And so before it becomes individual for us, uh, we have to appreciate everything that's going on in and through the body. But that's just the way that we process stuff. We're always looking for ourselves in this passage. We, we kind of think of spiritual gifts kind of like a Rubik's Cube, like it's a puzzle that we have to figure out. Um, I don't know. You guys familiar with the Rubik's Cube? Yeah, 1980s craze. I remember like literally spending hours. I think that was probably a trick that my parents played on me, not looking back at it. But I would spend hours like trying to figure this thing out. And I think maybe I got like one side of Rubik's Cube together. And then I had this bright idea, though, because I, I wanted to show off to my friends. I thought I'd take the little stickers off. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> you know, try to do that. But I could never make them quite fit. Right. So the idea, though, is that most of us view spiritual gifts a little bit like that and approach first Corinthians 12 a lot like that, that that there is some magical interpretation that's going to unlock everything that we are and who we're created to be. But the reality is that this passage actually draws our attention first and foremost to Jesus and then the church, and then we find our role in the church. And so I just want to make that clear from the outset. So I'm not going to just give this, this, these broad descriptions of all these gifts because I want us to appreciate the beauty and the wonder of how God has made the church and how the church is supposed to work and function Together And so um, so this week we're going to look at what we're gifted for in and through the church. And then the next four weeks after that, um, 
More than spiritual gift tests and inventories, there are about four specific ways that I think God reveals our gifts. And so I think over the next several weeks, you're going to realize the truth that you are much more gifted than you realize. That our church is much more gifted than we realize. And the, the more that we encounter the truths of God's word, it's going to set us free to be who God has created us to be. So that's where we're going to go over the next several weeks. And so um, I want to say this to you like, before we jump in. Um, spiritual gifts are not static, right? It's not, like you, it's not like your DNA. It's not like you just get this gift mix like at conversion and that's always who you're going to be. Um, what we're going to see um, throughout Scripture, especially over the next four weeks, is that the Spirit works differently uh, in different people at different points of time. And so you, you may function in one gift for a certain season of your life, and you may function in a different gift because the need arises. And God uses different circumstances to bring those gifts about And so I, I know uh, a lot of us, yeah, we can think about spiritual gifts almost like, man, I, I got a pair of socks for Christmas and I don't really like socks. Well, the good news is if you don't like the gifts that you think that you've been given, um, God is in the process of refining us. And really the, the, the picture in the New Testament is a, a group of people that eagerly desire spiritual gifts so that they can build up the body and reach the world. And so God is uh, a generous God. And I want to say from the outset, yeah, this is more than a puzzle to figure out. God, God is not hiding from us, right? I mean, he, he more than you wants you to know why you're on the planet. And so I think we can just kind of take a deep breath and relax because God is going to get us where he wants us to be. So look with me at verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, that's an important verse. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So, there's something vital about the way that a church works and a church functions that it understands the purpose and the place of spiritual gifts, right? Um, if you know anything uh, about the Corinthian church, that, that Paul would make this statement to them that they would understand spiritual gifts, it's nothing short of amazing grace. I mean, this is a church that was notorious for being bad. And probably at the top of their list was the abuse of the spiritual gifts. I mean, if you were walking around this church, it would make like a rerun of the 1980s TBN ministry, right? It would make that look tame, right? I mean, this was a crazy church. They were going insane. And it would have been very easy for Paul in and of himself to just say, you know, um, I want you guys to go ahead and do away with the spiritual gifts. Like you guys just aren't mature enough to use them. No, instead of that, he says, I want you to understand the right and the proper use of spiritual gifts. So there's something vital that we would understand the purpose and the place of spiritual gifts. Now, you have to ask yourselves, why is that true? Right? Because all of us have seen abuses. All of us have seen things just get out of control. So why is it vital that a local church understand the place of spiritual gifts? The first reason is because 
the body of Jesus Christ. And you, you get that language from verses 12 and 13. It's a picture of Jesus to the world. Right? Jesus in John chapter 16 says this amazing statement. It's going to be better for me to go because I'm going to send another helper to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So there's something about the Holy Spirit being at work in and through the church. It's better than if Jesus were in the front row right here. And we have to come to that fundamental conviction that that's not because Jesus was somehow less powerful than the Holy Spirit. It's because Jesus' ministry was located in about 40 miles in Palestine. But what he's saying is, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And when I am lifted up and I'm ascended into heaven, I'm going to pour out the Spirit on my people as a symbol of my victory. And so, every time a church comes together and they love one another, every time a church comes together and they serve one another, every time a church comes together and they encourage one another and they reach out to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The church is the proof positive that Jesus has been raised from the dead. What else would explain the diversity of people that are gathered here this morning? I mean, I mean, most of us, we don't get along with our own families most of the time, but the fact that we could join together as Christians and unite around the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ is nothing more than a work of the Spirit. So it's vital that we understand this so that we accurately reflect to the world who Jesus is and what He's done. We have a tremendous opportunity as we come alive to who God has made us to be to testify to who Jesus is and what He's done. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So these, these two verses, what Paul is doing is drawing the Corinthians and us to the primary role of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to remember, there was a time when you were led astray. There was a time when you did not know Jesus, right? And if, you can, if you're in here and your eyes have been opened to Jesus, you remember what that was like. There was a time that you were led astray. There was a time that you were enslaved, that you were following idols. You were doing anything and everything except what God had designed you for. I want you to remember, and the primary role of the Holy Spirit is in that, is that He magnifies and opens up people's eyes to Jesus. Right? So, everything that we're going to learn about spiritual gifts has to do with extolling and explaining and rejoicing over who Jesus is and what He's done. That is the primary role of the Holy Spirit. So, hear me on this. Every gift that you have been given by God Himself is so that other people will experience the freedom, the joy, the forgiveness of sins... The same as you have, right? So this isn't just an individualistic pursuit. God has gifted you 
for other people. And God has gifted you to be part of a body. So that, those are kind of guardrails for us. You know, That keeps us out of the weeds. It keeps us out of the kooky stuff. We want to use all the gifts that God has given us so that people come to know freedom and forgiveness in and through Jesus. So anywhere that the Spirit is at work, Jesus is glorified. The way to tell if a church is functioning in their spiritual gifts is that Jesus is lifted up. Right? It's not that people are running around the building doing the march of Jericho. Like it is Jesus is lifted up. So that is the primary role of the Holy Spirit. Everything has to fall in line with that. And um, a, a pastor I respect, J.D. Greer, he has a book called Jesus Continued. And if you want to learn um, more about spiritual gifts and how the spiritual gifts function, I would recommend that book to you. It's a, it's a newer book. And in his book, he draws out this picture from the Chronicles of Narnia. I, I love the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've been here, you understand that. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, it's a, it's a kid's story. It's a picture of four children... Peter, Edmund, Lucy, and Susan, who are transported into the magical world of Narnia through a wardrobe. This is a place that it is always winter and never Christmas. And that represents a world that's broken by sin, right? The white witch represents Satan and the enemy, right? And in this Chronicles of Narnia, something that I've never picked up on is there's a scene where Father Christmas comes to the children and he gives them gifts, right? He gives Peter a sword and Edmund a shield and Lucy this magic potion and uh, Susan gets a bow and arrow. And they don't understand what these gifts are for. But as they go along and as they continue in the battle, right? I mean, as they're walking out their lives and as they begin to to try to love and to follow Aslan, who represents Jesus, they get into this great battle with the white witch. And then they see what their weapons and their gifts are for. And that's an important part for us to understand. Like, we're never going to understand individually our gifts Unless we're involved in the lives of other people. We're never going to understand our gifts if we're not involved in the battle. If we're not involved in the mission that God has called us to do. That's where our gifts are going to emerge first and foremost. This isn't just going to be in your prayer closet. So, my question for you is, is my life oriented to gospel community and gospel mission in such a way that my gifts can be revealed? The invitation of this passage is that we get in the lives of other people so that people taste and experience the same freedom that we have. All right, now let's look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So, just this idea. I mean, this this is self-evident. But there are a wide 
variety of gifts in God's economy, in His church, and in His body. So that saves us and keeps us from trying to be like everybody else, right? You have to be the person that God has created you to be. But like I, like I mentioned just a little bit earlier, we have to be able to appreciate the variety of gifts and the diversity of gifts before we're ever going to understand the part that we're called to play. So these verses are to draw attention to the wide range of the Spirit that's at work in this room. I mean, just, just take a look around. Different people, different backgrounds, different ages, all that have come together because of Jesus Christ. And so, so what this says to us is that there is a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And what I want every person in this room to hear, there are no unimportant gifts. Every gift is vital. Every person, if this church is your home, is necessary for us to do all that God has called us to do. So this passage this morning is an invitation from God Himself for you to use the gifts that God has given you to see the kingdom go forward. There are no unimportant gifts. And and that, that means, we'll take it a little bit further, like... If you see something in this church that's falling through the cracks, right? We all can see stuff, right? It doesn't take like a vast gift of discernment to see some of these things. But what I want us to, to understand is like if you can see things falling through the cracks, it's probably because God has given you that gift to understand that that may be something that you're called to address, right? To use the gifts. Maybe not everybody sees that. I can use the example. Um, I had a meeting with all the elders a, a couple weeks back in my office. And uh, Jay said, you don't have a light bulb. Like somebody needs to fix the light bulb like in your office. And, and I thought it was a little dim in there, but I just kind of get used to that. And you, if you came by my house, there's light bulbs out all over the house. Like, I'm usually so focused on what I'm thinking about. I miss the fact that there's not light bulbs in my office. I miss the fact that there's not light bulbs at my house. But you know what? Like, Jay recognizes that. And, and guys like Roger, they recognize that. And I'm grateful, or we probably would be sitting in the dark at this moment, right? I mean, the, the reality is that it, we actually do need other people. Like, we need to be connected. There needs to be a variety of gifts. And every gift is vital and important because they testify to who Jesus is. Like, so, if you don't use your gifts to serve the body, we're less effective in reflecting Jesus to the world. That's just the truth of the matter. Now, Jesus doesn't need us. He's going to finish the Great Commission. Everyone is going to finally be added to his kingdom. But what we miss out on when we don't use our gifts for the good of other people is the joy of seeing people meet Jesus. Right? It's not just for those outside the church, but people inside the church. We can draw attention to all the grace that we have received. Look at verse 6 with me. There are varieties of activities, but there is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There is not an ungifted member of this church. This is a life-changing sentence, though. Our gifting or our activity, no matter if we consider it to be spiritual or not, it is God who empowers them all 
in everyone. Every gift that you have, every ability that you have, comes from God. We have this dangerous tendency to compartmentalize our lives, right? I mean, we think we've got our work life over here. We've got our home life over here. We've got spiritual things that we do over here. We've got just kind of some neutral things that we do over here. What this passage is saying is that everything that you have, that you use, that you have received from God, that you use for Him, comes from His Spirit. So we're beginning to work towards the definition of spiritual gifts. I love this definition from Wayne Grudem. You can put it um, on the screen. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church, right? So it doesn't matter if you consider what you have to be a natural ability. Where did that natural ability come from, right? God hardwired that into you. You may have a supernatural ability that testifies to the reality of who Jesus is, but the key word is that it is empowered by the Spirit to build up the church. So the question is not whether we are gifted, but the question is, are we being empowered by the Spirit and using our gifts to serve other people? That's the question that this passage is asking for us. So, I mean, you can just look this morning. I mean, look at the art that is displayed. Is that a spiritual gift? When it is empowered by the Holy Spirit for the good of the church, it's a spiritual gift. Yes, there are natural manual dexterity issues that I don't have, that I don't possess, right? That are, but that's given by God and it's used for the good of the church. So I want us to think much more broadly about spiritual gifts. Everything that you have, you are a steward of. Everything that you have, you have been given by God and He wants to see you use those gifts for the good of other people. So if you are an artist, you use your art for the glory of God so that people Know something of the character and the love of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're a businessman, right, and you possess real skills in leading people or skills in in managing things, those gifts are not just given for the business world. They're given so that the church can go forward and the message of the gospel. And I just want to say this, especially to the men. I don't want anybody to be condemned, but if our jobs get more of our passion than the gospel does? What kind of life is that? We want to be those kinds of people that because of the grace that we have received, we use our best and our greatest energies to see the kingdom go forward. We only get one shot at this, right? And it's very easy for life just to pass us by. God wants to see us use our greatest gifts and our passions to see people come to know Jesus. So if you are a teacher here, you have your gifts with working with children, you bring your excellence into the church, not just so that the church is served, but so that the world is served. It takes all kinds of gifts for us to be working together to paint a picture to the world of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. The reality is we need each other. The greatest gifts, at least according to 1 Corinthians 12, that God will give you so that you know more of Him is in this room. 
Now, there's not, obviously not everyone is here today, but the church is the home that God uses to build up His people. We actually need one another. We are a body. There are no unnecessary parts. You know what I didn't do today? I didn't wake up and say, you know what I don't need to do today? Breathe. You know, I've been breathing every day of my life. Lungs, you know, even been running a little bit. You know what, today I don't need lungs. God is saying this morning, we all need one another. There are parts of your life and parts of your story that can only be met by other people proclaiming God's finished work over your life. Right? It's not enough for you to believe the message of the gospel on your own. You need other people because everybody in this room knows what it's like to be alone. Everyone in this room knows what it's like to be discouraged. Everyone in this room knows what it's like to be disconnected. This is God's answer so that His people are cared for. As When we join together, we can live in the good of the good news of the gospel. So we need each other to proclaim Jesus to one another. Now let's look at verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now skip down with me to verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. So we just see this huge work of God where God brings together all the pieces. And when they're working together, it's this beautiful display of rhythm and harmony and grace. We need one another. And I think, let's look at verse 7 one more time. I want want to go back and hit something really quick. To each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is where it gets individual for us. If you have been born again, the Spirit of the eternal God has taken up residence inside of you. Right? There's no more gifted individuals than everybody has been made to drink of, of one Spirit. We all have the Spirit. And then another thought that came to me this week is the truth of Second Corinthians chapter 4. That we are all cracked pots, right? We are all jars of clay, right? We're all rough. We're all ragged. But inside, we're able to display a priceless treasure. And just think about this for a moment. If we're all just common and ordinary and clay pots... But there's something beautiful about Jesus when He brings together all of our brokenness. He makes this beautiful picture of redemption. 
right? So it's not that we're ever going to be this group of people that perfectly love one another and serve one another. It's in, in the fact that we are all broken and the fact that we all need a Savior that it displays Jesus to the world. And we talk about this a lot in this room. It's not as if the world needs our perfection. They need our Savior. And so as we begin to love one another and if you've been in community very long, it's, it's not going to take very long before you bump up into somebody that sins against you, right? right? I mean, that's the main reason that people leave churches is unresolved differences, right? Unreconciled things. But the reality is when we actually begin to realize that we are created to be this body and the way that we work through things with one another, it's going to display to the world that forgiveness actually works, that it actually exists. That's why the church is this big picture of God's redemption, because instead of being destroyed by our sin, it brings glory to the Savior and we get to display his love to the world. That's why we are on the planet. This also means that God's given us all the resources that we need, right? He doesn't give us a picture of a deformed body. No, it's a, it's a healthy body. But the, the question for us is, are we going to use our gifts in such a way that helps us build together for His glory? So, um, just in closing, I want us to, to think about just this simple thing. How long has it been since you thanked God for the church? How long has it been since you thanked God for calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light and drawing you together with other people to show the priceless treasure that we have in Jesus? Right? He didn't have to do that. It is a privilege that we get to live life together. God is going to give us all the resources that we have to do all the things that He's called us to do because He didn't withhold His Son. He gave Him up for us. So we have this privilege of coming together knowing that He's going to meet us in our frailty, in our weakness, and He's going to show His power and His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your amazing grace. I pray that You would, in these moments, continue to solidify our hearts towards you. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand what we're a part of. Thank you that we are your body, that we are your children. I pray that you would use um, all the gifts that you have given to us to help us to see Jesus more clearly and so that our city knows Jesus more accurately. Father, in these moments, I pray that you would send your spirit to empower us to comprehend the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of Christ. It's for His name we pray. Amen.